You're listening to All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral. Hello, we are back for another episode of All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral with Joe Cole and myself, Steve Sidwell. Joining us today is a man who started his professional career banging in the goals at Leicester City alongside a certain Gary Lineker before joining Arsenal and achieving legendary status. Uh, You may know him as the voice from the FIFA games, but to us, he's simply Smudger. Welcome to the show, Alan Smith. Who wrote that intro? Here we go. Come on. (laughs) Oh, it's much good. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, good to see you, lads. Yeah, really good. Good stuff, Joe. You've been away. Yeah, Florida, mate. Disney. Yeah, yeah no, no sun. No, it was. <laughs> no, it was. Quite, it was. We did have the best weather, but it was nice. I went back to watch the Rowdies, yeah. where I finished my career. Um, really enjoyed it, Sid. Uh, kids loved it. They're still out there, but I, you could have missed this smudge, the yeah. voice of FIFA. You've flown back especially, haven't especially you? Especially for you, mate. I, I, we had this one in the diary. <laughs> He's a man of the people, Joe. Uh, right, let's go back to the early days. Uh, you took a bit of a different route into football um, in terms of leaving school, A-levels, uni. Yeah. So did you not get the break earlier on or was that the, the, the avenue that you wanted to go well, down? I, I didn't get the break. I didn't get an offer of an apprenticeship, whatever, that some of the boys I was playing with at county level did. But I suppose I was a little bit upset, but I always wanted to stay on at school. I, okay. I passed my 11 plus back yeah. in the day, went to grammar school and it was a good school as well. Um, they had great playing fields, you know, good football team and that. I really enjoyed my education yeah. and yeah. Uh, wanted to do my A-levels. So... Um, after I'd done those, I was always going to go to uni. Um, well, it was a polytechnic back then, Coventry Poly. Yeah. I, di- I didn't actually end up getting the best grades at A-level, but I got enough to get into uni. At this time, I was playing for a non-league team called Alve Church. Yeah. They're quite famous in the non-league world. Yeah. They got the record for the longest FA Cup tie, which was about five replays, and it still stands. But um, they're only a village team, but they played in the Southern League, Midland yeah. Division, which was a good standard. A really good standard. Some lads had come down from the professional level. Other boys were, you know, trying to get up there. Um, so it was a great grounding for me. You know, I'd come out of boys' football. You yeah. know what it's like. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're playing with men. Yeah. And uh, I did a year there. Uh, and scouts would come and look at those matches. So I had all the Midland scouts, Villa Blues, Coventry, mm. Leicester, obviously. Um, Ron Atkinson came down one night when he was Man United yeah. manager in his Rolls Royce and sheepskin coat. <laughs> it was a what, big to, thing. To the, the game? Yeah, he turned, up, he turned yeah. up in his roller. Yeah, so that caused a bit of a stir. <laughs> he left before the end of the game, actually. Uh, so that didn't bode well. But um, Yeah, so Leicester were the keenest. Yeah. And I eventually signed for them. Did, yeah. you, did you have that as a path, Smudge? Or was you, what, what was you studying? Did you, was you, did you want to go off and, into work? Or did you have it in your mind that well, someone will come in and there'll be a professional career Do you know what, Joe? At that stage, you just... I'm thinking, I need to get a good degree and what am I going to do with this degree? I'd almost yeah. forgotten about becoming a professional. Mm. I'd almost given up on it. Not, not consciously, maybe, but... I was just relaxed about it, I think. Yeah, so yeah, I was playing yeah. for Alf Church, enjoying it. Mm. The weekend, we trained twice a week in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, so maybe that helped me a bit. I was yeah. kind of anxious and nervous. Yeah. And when I heard that the scouts were coming, I thought, oh, OK, whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so when the offer to join Leicester came, they offered me a four-year contract. So wow, it wasn't like wow. I was taking a chance. Yeah. 
it was it was a good contract as well because Jock Wallace it must have been prolific in non-league then for a yeah. four-year contract. Yeah, hey? well, I only cost fifteen thousand, <laughs> <laughs> seven thousand with Adams. So they bought some uh, new floodlights for that. But um, yeah, um, it was a good contract because Jock Wallace, the old tough Glaswegian, mm. uh, he, he neg- well, I say negotiated. He told me what I was going to be earning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could hardly understand him. But <laughs> as it turned out, if I played for the first team, I'd be on what they were on, basically. Right, yeah. But he never expected me to play for the first team for an- another two or three years. He said, right. learn your trade, blah, blah, blah. But then he left and uh, Gordon Milne came in. Uh, he was the old Liverpool yeah, player yeah, under yeah, Shankly, yeah. and he was he he'd done well at Coventry just up the road. Uh, and he um, he gave me a chance from day one. I'll never forget pre-season. Um, the first team were playing Northampton Town on one pitch. I was in the Reses on the other pitch, adjoining. And at half time, Gordon Milne called me over. Alan, Alan, you're going on in the second half for the for the first team, and I got a hat trick uh, next to Gary. Uh, and from that moment on, I was with the first team, and I, I played on the opening day against against Charlton. So, where, where was Gary? Was he England regular no, at the time? Or no, was no, he, he'd been in the first team maybe a year, year two so he was years just maybe. Ahead of you at the time. Yeah, and he right. was kind of the bright young thing, local boy in yeah, Leicester. Yeah. So he yeah. was the star. But no, he hadn't got England recognition at that stage. Uh, but he was making waves, yeah, scoring a few goals. Did you find that that pushed you? A similar thing happened at West Ham, you know, where we had like Rio, Frank, Carrick and myself all yeah. doorstep in every year. And you, where you can see someone a little bit above you, pushed you a little bit to keep going. Did, did that happen with Gary? No, I don't think so, Joe. What no. it was really was establishing a relationship with him, yeah. which we kind of clicked straight away. We didn't yeah. have to work too hard on it, mm. which doesn't always happen. Um, so that kind of got me into professional football in a smoother yeah, way than yeah. I might have. I mean, it was tough, yeah. you know, full-time training and that. You're, you're knackered first few months. But uh, the fact I had this, this relationship with Gary really helped. Uh, and there was some, yeah, some good pros there. Mm. Uh, it was a good dressing room. When I first got there, it was full of Scottish lads, absolutely ram full, but they were all Jock Wallace signs. Yeah, yeah. Gordon Milne came in with a big boom and, yeah. and got a lot of them out. And, and that's how I got my chance. You've you said in the past that when you, you mentioned Leicester, whenever you go back, you get a sort of warm, fuzzy feeling, and it's you know a place that you just go back to that's, that's always special. Is that because you kind of hit the ground running there as well, and you, and and you and you've had success in, in terms of your going on for your career as it's your well? Your first club, isn't it? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. your first club's special, um, and I had a great time there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really fond memories. Uh, there's still some people that work there still you know the stewards when you walk yeah, in they've been yeah. there for donkey's years so they greet you obviously it's a new uh, ground now Filbert Street's been flattened but um, when when I went there they were in the old second division and we got promotion in the first year and then I spent four years in the top flight I mean we were always fighting relegation always flirting with it but um, even it, with you and Lineker up front yeah it was the mm. defenders I blame yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were knocking them in but uh, there was me uh, Gary and uh, Stevie Linex on the wing yeah. uh, Charlie Chan his nickname was and between us we'd get about 50 odd goals and we were a good uh, strike uh, force but um, yeah we were always up again I mean you know Leicester didn't have yeah. much money yeah. and that uh, but it's great to see the way they've developed since why then why did you have such a good connection with Gary Lineker was it stuff that in training was you working on bits or was it literally just a natural chemistry a natural progression I mean we did work on in training uh, but 
my style of football, you know, target man coming short mm. for the ball, holding it up, flicking it on, Gary yeah. lurking on the last line. Mm. It just clicked. Yeah. It just clicked. I mean, he would have scored goals, I think, whoever he'd have played with. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was. It was a good partnership, yeah. Did you think that he was destined to go on and be the player that he was when you I see him? I never thought he'd really? do quite as really? well as he did. I've got to really? say, I knew he'd score goals where, wherever he went. Yeah. But he, he, he spent a season at Everton and scored 40 goals and then went off to Barcelona. So, wow. yeah, amazing career and obviously with England as well. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I never got booked? no. And I got booked just once. You got booked once? Just once, yeah. No. What was it for? At the FA Cup final in 93 against Sheffield Wednesday. I was there. Were you? Yeah. The both of them. I went to the... uh, You were in the U team then? No, I was, well, I was in the sort of, I was 12, so I was in the lower academy, but... We went because it was a replay, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We went to the first night, one and, yeah. the, and the second one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no, you got booked I, in that game. I got in a tussle with Graham Hyde, little midfielder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We both went to the ground and I've knocked the ball away just to get up on my feet and get into position. And the ref booked me for ungentlemanly conduct. Not a joke. I, <laughs> I, I can't believe someone who competed in the air as much as you that wasn't oh. a booking for a stray elbow here oh, or mate, there. I'd be sent off these days. Yeah. I remember one night. I would, you would, though, wouldn't you? It's accidental sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I remember one night at uh, Luton, big Steve Foster was the centre-half. The yeah, I remember him. Yeah. And I've jumped up with him, and you know, go, go like that, and I have got sharp elbows, to be fair, and I've caught him, and he's, he's cut himself, even though he's got a headband on, he's had to go off for five stitches, and he's come back on, and go, oh, I'll get you, you meant that smudge, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if that had have happened now, yeah. they'd be oh, looking yeah, at the old yeah. VAR, and you'd be yeah, off, wouldn't yeah, you? Definitely yeah. be off. I mean, I never used to answer back to the refs, I didn't do too much tackling, Mm. Um, so, like, as, along with Gary, we kind of got away with it, but mm. nobody can now. Just with Gary, stay on in for one second. What, where would you rate him? And you've played with some great partners as well. Where would you rate him in terms of strike partners with yourself? Well, I played with him and Ian Wright. I mean, yeah. it's a tough one because, I mean, Gary had a fantastic international record, but Wrighty was the best finisher I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at his back catalogue. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. He's got oh, everything. Goals he's, he's got scored. everything, isn't he? And and yeah. I remember when he came to the club, and I thought this is perfect for me. I mean, I'd seen him at Palace with Brighty, and that I thought we're mm. going to click like I did with Gary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't. I couldn't really, really? establish a relationship yeah. with him because he was such. He was off the cuff. Yeah. He never knew what he was mm. going to do. And, I and he'd was, probably admit that himself, wouldn't he? Back then, he was. Rugged, he was he came into the game late, he didn't know about the, what runs to make, he was just a natural finisher, wasn't he? Yeah, and George Graham, we used to do shadow play all the time and we all knew our individual roles, mm. but Vitey came in and he was just buzzing about, he stuck the ball in the net and George g- gave up after a few sessions, he just let him get on with it. Session wrecker. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 it, and it disturbed my game a little bit. Uh, right. it's, it's not his fault, but it, it knocked me off course and yeah. my uh, goals tally fell off a cliff. So they weren't happy years for me, but he was a brilliant finisher. So, yeah. uh, you know, as good as Gary was. I mean, Gary went to Barcelona and he learnt the art of playing against man-to-man mark. Yeah. He was very cute in terms of the runs he made. He said to me mm. when he came back from Barcelona, he went to Spurs, he said, Smudge, he said, you know, it's, it's easy to get 20 goals in this league, isn't it? If you know which runs to make, you've just got to know, know where to be at the right yeah, time. Yeah. And, and that's how he felt. I went, well, I don't know if it's easy, Gaz, but maybe he, he felt it was. Yeah. yeah. He, was the, he was that yeah. clever at it. Well, talking of easy, I mean, you eventually got a move to Arsenal um, and you got 
you scored goals for fun. You actually were top goal scorer for four years on the spin. That's incredible. I mean, how, how was it in terms of settling in, first of all, into Arsenal and settling into London as well? I never forget the day, um, well, kind of the first day I met my teammates. Leicester were playing Oxford United at the Manor Ground. We needed a win to stay up. We didn't get the win. We got relegated. But I already signed for Arsenal on deadline day in March, as it was then. Um, and uh, so I'd gone back on loan to Leicester right. as an Arsenal player, which was a weird one because yeah. we had to play at Highbury as well during that time. But I went back on loan to try and help them avoid relegation. Didn't work. But um, yeah, last day of the season, we got relegated, so I've thrown my shirt in the crowd and everything. But Arsenal had got an end of season uh, do at the Hilton and it, black tie dinner, so I've taken my dicky bow with me to the game, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> the lads are absolutely distraught in the dressing room. <laughs> You're not dressed in your dicky bow. I've jumped in the shower and it's, lads, I'd love to stop and chat. You know, but, <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a dicky bow event on Park Lane, so that was out. And then they were, fuck off, Smudge, we'll be okay in the second division. <laughs> so you got dressed in the dressing room yeah. in, in, your, in your dicky bow. <laughs> I was in a bit of a... I, I, I was a bit flustered and I've come out of the car park, I've scraped my car up against the oh. big wall, it was a bit tight, and I've, I've got on that M40 and uh, a couple of miles down the road, I got over it. Yeah. <laughs> what were the early days or early years like under George Graham? You know, a lot of team shape. He was a winner, wasn't he? I'd seen him before I joined and he looked like a man going places. He had that mm. aura, spoke really well about the game and he was somebody that you could imagine fearing as a manager. He, he was somebody that once he'd seen your best, he demanded it every day, not just mm. match days, but in the week training. Yeah. And he was always on the training ground, hardly ever missed a day. There might have been one day in the mm. season when he had a funeral to go to or whatever yeah. and then it was a bit of a jolly up. But he, yeah. he was always there and always pushing us. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he was very good tactically. Yeah. He was good and uh, he was good for me because he was a striker himself. Um, but first and foremost, he worked on that defence and went from there. Yeah. How, was he, how was he smudged for the strikers? Because I, I speak to Martin a lot about it. He talks about, you know, the work he'd done with the back four on the ropes and the distances and all that. But how was he for a forward? Uh, was there much work on the actual movement or was it just all off the ball and then let you guys play? No, no, he'd, he'd, do, um, he'd do movement. Yeah, as I say, we'd do yeah. shadow play and he'd talk to the two strikers, me and, and Merce, <clears throat> whatever, yeah. how he wanted us to uh, interact and that. But uh, in those early years, yeah, first and mm. foremost, you know, we'd all come in and he'd go, I'm working on the back four today, lads. And we'd <laughs> yeah. So it was like me and Merce and Rocky on the right, and then yeah. Brian Marwood then on the left trying to break them down. And yeah. it, was, it was impossible because yeah. Yeah. they just held this fantastic line. And if, if you did score or get past them, you were I mean, running around the training yeah. ground celebrating. That's, 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 sorry, that's what I felt when it was like at Chelsea. Like if you, if you managed to score in training against your John Terry's and your Galasses yeah. and all that, you knew on Saturday. Yeah. Gonna, it's going to be easy. It'd be easy, yeah. Play through teams. Yeah, they must be. They must have been playing against Tony in training. Must yeah. have been. Yeah, no, you you realised how good they were. Very good at anticipating, just yeah. getting ahead of you mm. as well. Baldy was the same. He yeah. stick out a long leg, um, and uh, obviously the two fullbacks, you know, in tandem and that. Uh, mm. Yeah, and he only, he only came with hard work. You know, mm. as much as it drove everyone mad that we got to work on the back four again. 
on a match day, you go out with so much confidence, you know, yeah. and I know if we get a goal, the chances are we're going to win. I mean, back then it was it was the norm, wasn't it? And it was the culture, but that drinking culture, especially at Arsenal at the time as well, you being professional and, and wanting to win titles and and although you did but at the start it was it was hard wasn't it because there was a balance that sometimes the line was overstepped it was the culture though in football in general you know um united had some heavy drinkers didn't they they always used to go out and then we had the tuesday club yeah if Mm. we didn't have a midweek game we'd train at highbury do a do a physical and then yeah. go out into town and, and the gaffer knew about it and he kind of almost encouraged it because yeah. he saw it was good team, mm, team bonding. bonding he just says you know just behave yourself lads yeah, yeah, don't yeah, get yeah, into yeah, trouble yeah, yeah. we'd have the Wednesday off and then come back on Thursday and, and work hard uh, I mean I was like in, a, in and out dipping in and out of that yeah. Tuesday club I, yeah. I was never a massive drinker or anything but uh, that that's just how it was. Mm. It's just how it was. Mm. So it's not. Like, I mean, we were a fit team. Yeah. You know, we worked really hard with closing down in training. We did it all the time with yeah. me and Merce, whoever worked in in pairs, showing them inside. That was our mantra: always show the player inside. Mm. And mm. we worked at it so hard. Well, look, we've got to speak about the uh, the eighty eight eighty nine season when Arsenal pinched the league from Liverpool in the last day of the yeah. season at. Anfield. Uh, look, you scored the first goal that night and set up uh, Mickey yeah. Thomas for the man famous. Yeah. Yeah, it's, up, it's up for grabs uh, uh, goal. To win the league in such dramatic circumstances, I mean, what were the emotions around the build up to that game and during the game? Well, when we found out we got to win by two goals, you're thinking, all the best, you know, this yeah. is Liverpool, fantastic, four times European yeah. Cup winners. Hardly. They'd been on this run since New Year's Day. They'd not lost a game. Yeah, right. Brilliant side. And so you're thinking... I mean, the closer we got to the... It was the Friday. The closer we got, the more belief grew a little bit. It was more It was more relaxed in training. George let us have a five-a-side, which he never usually would do. Yeah. Um, so I think his tactic was to let him go into it in a relaxed frame of mind. And, right. And we all travelled up there that day thinking... Just give it a shot. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, no pressure on us. Nobody fancied us at all. Yeah. You know, all the papers were, were tipping uh, Liverpool, and they'd got the emotion of Hillsborough as well. You know, that was yeah. not. Yeah, wasn't it? Was only, it wasn't long before. Well, that's the why the game was at the end of the moved. season after everybody else had finished. Yeah. We were due to mm. play them in April, so it had been put back because right. there was the uh, cessation of fixtures for a couple yeah. of weeks. Um, but um, the Liverpool lads had been going to funerals left, right, and centre. Uh, they just won the FA Cup, so they were going for the double that yeah. night. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we just went up there on the day. I remember we stopped at Atlantic Towers, just on the on the waterfront there. You That's, went up on the day? Went up on the day, yeah. 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 Um, I think he wanted to get in and out, you know. Yeah. He always used to say about away games, you know, do a John Wayne, get in, <laughs> hit them hard and get out of town. <laughs> um, but... Uh, we went, yeah, I remember we had lunch and went had a kip for a couple of hours, and, and most yeah. most of the lads slept well, which mm. it's quite hard yeah. on a yeah, match day. Yeah. Sleep in the afternoon, but we did. And then George gave a couple of brilliant team talks at the hotel, and then in the dressing room, he really pumped us up and sent us out with clear minds because we got to win by two goals. But his uh, emphasis was on keeping a clean sheet. Right. He says because if we let one in, it's all over. Yeah. You know, he says keep a clean sheet. You know, you get one goal, it. it takes a second to get the. The other goal, so uh, he, he was brilliant that night, he really was. Yeah. Um, 
And the first half passed by. We had one chance, maybe Boldy had a header cleared off the line, but it was a game of few chances. It was the fastest game I've ever played in. It really? Just ridiculous. Even, even now when I look at it, I know the game's faster now, mm. but even now when I look at it, it was 100 mile an hour. It is, it's a different river, isn't it? The f- football from the 90s and the 80s to what it is now is fast, but in a hectic type of way. If you, if you look at... The 89 film came out and they used a low-level camera, pitch yeah. side... And you look at some of the challenges going oh. in, just players <laughs> leaping in, going to ground, the player that's been fouled, getting up, brushing themselves down and getting yeah. on with it. And the, the ref going, play on, lads, come on, get on with it. Mm. And you forget, it wasn't actually that long ago when the game was like that and players yeah. didn't make a fuss of being tackled. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our mantra was always turn away if they've hurt you, wince when he can't see yeah. you, don't show yeah. him you're hurt. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so the first half passed without any event really and we were a bit down but George um, said perfect lads this is exactly how I wanted it to go now we're going to push on a bit more and uh, get the full backs because we played with five at the back on the night Lee Lee and uh, Nigel pushed them on get some balls into the box uh, and we'll get that first goal and he he read it perfectly Um, so we won the free kick and we'd always practiced this free kick in training and never worked it was like me Tony and Baldy in a line and I think Baldy would peel around the back and me and Tony would make a dash in the event, Tony just went off script and threw himself at a <laughs> defender, really, and uh, and I managed to sneak in and, and uh, nod it in. Uh, but then they were appealing that it was offside or I hadn't touched it, and all those lads mm. crowding around the ref and the linesman, you think they're definitely going to uh, cancel it out. But he pointed mm. to the centre circle, so I never forget the noise in that stadium. Yeah. It was deafening. And, it, and when the ref pointed to the centre circle to say we'd scored, it even got higher. Wow. Liverpool fans like encouraging their players yeah. to you know, go on and, and perform because they weren't themselves on the night. Uh, but, it, yeah, it was amazing. There was no clock in the stadium, so we didn't know how long yeah. was left. Wow. The cops started whistling with about 10 minutes to go and we were getting signs from the bench about how many minutes there were. And I remember Lee, Lee said he asked the ref just before Mickey's goal, um, how long left ref? And he went, it's, it's over, Dicko, it's over. But there was enough chance to so hit the ball be, off Barnes. Be, yeah, but before that goal, was that, was, they could have gone to the corner or they could have kept it, but Barnes, Barnes he put, it? Uh, did he put a cross <clears> in? No, Barnes, he picked it up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's kind of had a little dribble. He's going towards the corner flag, then he's cut back in. Uh, to try and get in the box and, and, and set up a goal. He got a hell of a bollocking off um, Joe Fagan, I think, afterwards. But, you know, that was mm. Liverpool's culture, yeah. try and score a goal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they weren't really the team that's going to go to the corner flag. Yeah. But Kevin Richardson nicked it off him, passed it back to John Lukic, and and he started that move that, that led to Mickey's goal. Amazing. Um, the goal as well. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a Lukey threw it out to Lee, who wasn't expecting it, at least to kind of turn, thinking Lukey's going to pommel it up top with yeah. seconds left but he's thrown it to Lee and I naturally showed for it in that channel like I automatically did and he's found me with a great pass and I thought I've got to turn first time here because the whistle's going to go any second yeah. it wasn't the easiest to touch his, but thankfully I managed to get it spot on swivelled in one and just saw this yellow blur in my peripheral vision mm. it was Mickey making another barnstorming run. He, yeah. was, he was amazing he, on the night. Yeah. Box to box, wasn't he? Man, man on a mission, yeah, he was amazing. And uh, I managed to find him and he got the break of the ball and uh, off Steve Nicholl and he was just through on goal. But none of us could really get close and support off of a pass. We were yeah. all behind him. And you, you saw the red shirts converging on him. You thought, because Mickey was so laid back. He was, I mean, 
This is the man that slept all the way to Australia when we went there. <laughs> he just got under his blanket and that was it for 24 hours. Um, and he would never do anything when he didn't want to. So he was just waiting for Grobelar to make his move. But Ray Houghton got within millimetres of getting yeah. his toe on that ball. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't want to bring him down for a foul, he said, since, because uh, he didn't think Mickey had score. Really? But he did. He wow. just lifted it yeah. over Grobelar, yeah. And, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hit home really at the time. You, you're in shock almost. But uh, it's it's since then that uh, you realised what a, what an amazing night it was. Brilliant night. Yeah, I mean, brilliant night for you. I mean, you scored a goal, set one up. But where does that goal rank? Because you scored a hell of a goal in the was it in the '94 uh, yes. Cup final, Cup winners, Cup yeah, Cup winners, Cup final, final um, to beat Palmer, Palmer wasn't it? Yeah. The volley. Yeah. Where would where would that the two goals? I mean, they're very completely different goals, different circumstances. But yeah, no, Anfield's by far the most yeah. important. I mean, it wasn't the most spectacular, but um, you know, to get mm. the first goal set us on our way. Yeah. Arsenal won the title in eighteen years, and it's the most famous game in football league history. It really, it'd be tough to beat it. Yeah. Um, so um, that was yeah. But the Palmer one was great for me. Um, I mean, it wasn't strictly a volley because mm. it bounced and. Come on, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dippo, we call it the, the, the Dippo, isn't it? Yeah, the old paintbrush. Yeah, yeah. lovely. Yeah, great um, technique. It was funny because I've hit it and um, I didn't know that it had gone in the net because the keeper's dived and he's dived kind of uh, a bit too late and then it clipped the inside of the post and ended up on the other side of the goal. But that was great. We were massive underdogs that night uh, against Palmer. They had Zola, Asprilio, who yeah. went to Newcastle, Thomas Brolin, who was a hell of a player at the time. Half of Italy's World Cup squad that year that went to the US. Yeah. They were a brilliant team. Uh, they were holders of the Cup Winners' Cup, I think. Um, and, uh, but our, our back four was in its pomp, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They were all of an age. They knew their jobs inside out. So once I scored, you always... 1-0 to the Arsenal started during mm. that competition. Yeah. <laughs> it started at PSG in the semi when uh, we, we beat them 1-0. Wrighty got a goal in the, in the away leg. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they were playing uh, the Pet Shop Boys at half-time, Western <laughs> Girls, and they, everyone, the Arsenal fans started singing 1-0 to the Arsenal. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and that's how that started. Uh, so, uh, yeah, brilliant night. But I wasn't enjoying my football then because yeah. uh, league-wise I wasn't scoring, so that was like a bit of a port in the storm. Mm. You, your career, unfortunately, ended prematurely. 32, it was yeah. um, due to a knee injury. Did you know that you was going to go into a media route or was it kind of just off the cuff or was you just going to have a break at the time? The, I would never have said, Sid, that I'd uh, make a career in the media because really? I'm quite reserved not shy but you know I, I'm not I'm not out there type mm. of person yeah and uh, I'd, I'd never thought it's funny how life where it takes you but um, yeah I, I retired at 32 it's devastating you know got a young family what was the knee injuries it was bone damage top and bottom a bit like um, Ledley King's had oh, but they, yeah. a few years down the line they could treat it a little bit better but the mm. surgeon said to me no that's yeah. it forget it and, and I could feel the knee wasn't right mm. Um, mm. So um, you've suddenly got to start thinking what you're going to do. To, I needed to earn a living. You know, yeah. I've got a young family and that. I'd already done stuff for Sky as, as when I was injured for Arsenal. I was the guest in, on the live matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started doing more of that. And I'd always had a thought that I would like to do some writing because mm. I'd had a right. good education. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah, be a nice yeah, little yeah. niche for me, you know, 
do some football writing and I started doing a column for North London paper, a weekly Arsenal column, and then I started yeah. writing the Standard for a year. Then um, I started writing for the Telegraph and I did that for 20 years. Mm. You know, I went to four World Cups. So that yeah. was brilliant alongside yeah. uh, all the TV work. Never thought that uh, it would pan out that way. So I've been, I've been really fortunate. Yeah. You know, I've been able to stay because I was never really into coaching. Um, I ran some soccer schools when I finished, just a few years after that. But I, I never felt the need to go out there. And I, it never really uh, excited me. So um, the media, I suppose, was the other option. I mean, you get more and more that come. I mean, me and Joe are doing the media now. But was there, back in that day there when you finished, was it more people going co- into coaching and managing rather than media? And was you, you was one, one of the kind of... Trendsetters, as, as, I spoke, well, there are more openings now, aren't there? In yeah. the media, mm. you know, there are more openings, but um, yeah, it, it depends, doesn't it? Some some lads feel that uh, they'd, they'd rather go on and, and, and be in a TV studio or whatever than uh, the, the be a coach. It depends, uh, yeah, what's what. Um, but um, yeah, I was lucky I got a foot in the door. You said about the World Cups there, you went to Japan, Brazil, South Africa. What was what's the most memorable moment from a World Cup? I love Japan. Spent six weeks there. Amazing country. I'd love to go back. It's just like nowhere else. So I was in Tokyo and and we travelled around and it was brilliant. Did the final when Brazil lifted it in uh, Yokohama. Um, And I was pleased with my report I did for the Telegraph. And that always makes a difference. Uh, I I felt I'd I'd done a good job. Um, The stadiums were something else, weren't they, out there? Yeah. Just like they because I was I was in the squad as well I was only 20 and that was what an experience that like because we went to um, spend one night it's gone because you know World Cups tournaments it's just like you're, just, you're pulling your hair out and he went right we're going to go to to a Friday's right so you think so we all got on a coach went to a Friday's you're in Japan and you're <laughs> 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 so we're there we're tucking in and I can see this little this, this geezer coming in like talking to the management staff yeah. and everyone fussing and then like what's going on outside and literally, because they'd heard that Bex was in the, the Fridays in the, the town centre, <laughs> outside of Bedlam, they'd followed him around. The whole of Japan had turned up. The police had come and cornered off the road. So we come out this Fridays, and literally the police were there. It was like you know, like like a crime scene. There's people pulled back. This was going mental for Bex. Everywhere we went because of yeah, Bex, of it was like the Beatles. It was ridiculous. I, I just want to ask both of you now because at that time you're writing columns for. You know the England national team, Joe. You're playing, and there yeah. was always, they always felt like there was a kind of a rift between the journalists and yeah. the England team at the time. Did you feel being on the other side of the fence that there was there wasn't a connection? There's a connection now mm, between yeah. England and and you know the tabloids. Whereas back then, it always felt like there was a love hate relationship. There's a connection now, but I'm sure the lads are still suspicious of what yeah. they say, especially to the tabloids. But um, yeah, the, yeah, there was a distance, and when uh, I'd attend press conferences and, and players might come along with a manager, yeah, you could mm-hmm. sense that. Yeah. You could sense it. Um, I mean, when I played for England, the press were always in the team hotel, and they'd yeah. be stood up at the bar, and when you're going to dinner, whatever, they oh, could I have a quick word, yeah. Alan. You yeah. know, it's one of them. It yeah. wasn't structured. Uh, you couldn't avoid them, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was some. Uh, I mean, you felt the pressure playing for England then because there was some ruthless journos yeah. who get stuck right into it. Yeah. Maybe it's not quite as bad. Did you find that, Joe? That era from your... I remember because I grew up with Harry and it was the same. Coming in at West Ham, you come to training and there'd be three or four journalists 
you know, they're usually from the evening standard, mm. the sun, someone else, and they just grab you. Mm. Would you have a chat? And it was very relaxed, mm. and it, you'd have a relationship with them, mm. and so it was nice. And then all of a sudden, it started to be where there'll be a little bit of distancing, and I think the journalists resented that. And then when I when I was going to the World Cup, there was like the f- there was four or five of the big editors, and they'd sit at the front when you're doing press conference. It's quite daunting as a mm. youngster. Remember, I, I started with England when I was 19, and they'd just put you in in front of it, and there'd be all of them there, and they'd be sitting at the front. And it wouldn't be nice questions, like it would be where it was a personal thing, where they'd just grab you, and it would just be a nice, generic interview and, and everything. They'd, they'd really probe you. Mm. I remember sitting up there, do, do, you think, do you think after only playing 50 games in the Premier League, you should be in the England squad? Like, as a 19-year-old, well, 20-year-old yeah, kid, I mean, it's unbelievable. what do you say? Like, oh, no, I'm not really sure. I've got to yeah. play in three days. I don't know if I'm good enough. <laughs> Am I as good as... So, and then there, there was that distance. Yeah. And then the players resented it. And then you also had... That era was the first era, really, I think, from sort of late 90s through the 2000s, where footballers would come on the front page of the media. So, yeah. like, we'd have a night out and something would happen and it'll be front page news. Mm. And then the same paper journalists will go, we we'll want to have an interview with you. And they go, hold on, you stitched us up with that. And mm. say so it was a big distance. Yeah. Mm. And then the England thing. And then, we unfortunately, we see it with Harry Maguire, didn't we? For, for the first time in maybe... 10 years I've seen an England player booed mm. you know and it was, which is bang out of order yeah. but in our era I remember going to play for England and it was like who's going to get booed today and it was all it was all because of the the media yeah. I thought was stirring it up whether it was Frank or Wayne Rooney or yeah or JT or someone so it was playing for England was more difficult than it should have been for certain yeah, players definitely. I mean I was alright I, I, I was alright because I, was, I wasn't I never really got Booed, but I remember I remember sitting next to the lads on the coach and t- talking about it, and you're thinking to yourself, you're going to play for your country, mm. and you know before the game kicks off, when the names was called out in the warm up, like the whole of Wembley or was yeah. on the run. Mm. It's not a new thing, no. you see. I, like, I played with John Barnes, and I remember playing at Wembley when he got booed every touch. I mean, what a player he was! Well, uh, yeah. He didn't have his bet; he couldn't kind of transfer his, his mm. Liverpool form really. But neither could a lot of us. Yeah. So they just seemed to pick on him for some reason. Yeah. yeah. And in the mid, I, I don't know what you think so much, but I, I thought the media sort of fed into that narrative, would mm. rather than trying to quell it. I felt. That certain players would be targeted every, and it would be a story. Mm. You know, I, I don't know, but there was definitely a distance, which is better now. Yeah, from what I see from the outside, the the, the journalists and the media. Yeah, we were always told whether it was club or country. They'd say, right, this is a big trip. Be careful, lads, because it's not just the football journalists on this trip. It's the yeah. news journalists, the ones yeah. that want a story, and you say about stories on the front page. Yeah. You know, they're going for the big stories, not mm. about the football, and that's where you were really mm. cautious. Mm. Okay, right, it's time for what really happened, where we want to find out about a moment in your career, uh, and we want to know more about it. So we spoke about your football career. So we want to know more about the FIFA games. So for a generation of our listeners, you and Martin Tyler have been the voices of their computer games. How did that opportunity come about? There was an opening and I auditioned for it. Right. Went along to uh, studios in Soho and uh, the, the few, a few people did audition, but um, they gave me a little script and I just gave it the full yeah. bifter and uh, <laughs> they, um, they gave me the job. You know, I, I, found, I, I did it quite naturally, really. You've got to use your imagination a lot. Lots of people ask me about it and they say, oh, are you just reading from a script? We were never reading from a script. It's all ad lib. Right. They, they give you situations to describe. Right. So... Um, Do you not see the footage while you're doing it? Never. Wow. Right. That's, no. So you, look, you've done 
media, you've done obviously your columns, you've done studio, you've done co-coms as well. So it put you in a, a good tune for it. But to do it off the cuff with yeah. not watching a game and just... Yeah. So you'll be given lines and you just give it the full... Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get a script with different scenarios. So, um, you know, oh, today, uh, lads, we're going to do uh, three kicks from 20 yards, you know, for the next mm. hour. And uh, you're describing somebody who's curled it over the wall and it's just gone over the bar. Uh, and can you give us six different versions of that, please? <laughs> you know, and you're doing it one after the other. So yeah. I always think that that's where almost my education came in because you've got to use different words, you've got to yeah, have good vocabulary, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so that, yeah, it's just it's just picturing that in your mind and, and trying to keep it as close to uh, live commentary as you yeah. can. So even if wow. you stutter, whatever, it sounds more Th- natural. Yeah, I don't know if you found this, but I've just come in the game as an icon and um, my oh. my yeah, cheers geese <laughs> but, no but like I mean it's, it's great but my boys football team the lads who, who, who they couldn't care less that I play football but now that I'm on FIFA yeah. it's like yeah. they want to be they want to know who I am now and they're like oh, big news yeah now, it's big you? news yeah. now so yeah. did you do you find that people sort of like Youngsters, because oh, yeah. you're in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, people still, uh, kids come up to you still, they want a picture. I mean, they don't remember me as a player. Yeah, yeah. They don't know me as a commentator, but, yeah. you know, they, oh, you're the guy from FIFA. And even, I was walking out the ground with Martin Tyler the other day and we got in the lift and you say a couple of words to each other and, and the lad who's uh, controlling the lift, mm. ah, FIFA. Uh. <laughs> it happens everywhere you go. I was in Israel one year and yeah. uh, this lad, was, he was coming around the corner and he, he didn't speak much English. But a lot of foreign people use the English commentary because they think right. it's more authentic, yeah. you know, yeah, it's the Premier yeah, League, whatever. Yeah. And they went, ah, oh, FIFA, he said FIFA. Um, but yeah, it's that recognisable voice and that that yeah. people remark upon, yeah. No, it was brilliant. So, so it. When, when, you're, when you're doing your script, there's no Martin Tyler there, is there? It's just yeah, you, no, we're bouncing off each oh, other, so yeah, we're together, yeah. Together now, Which then, helps, yeah, because right. I have done some sessions where they go, oh, Alan, we need you a couple of hours to do some stuff. And that's draining mm, when you're on your own, yeah. but... He'll say a line and I'll go, yeah, Martin, yeah, he's done really well there, blah, blah, blah. And it's easier. Yeah. It's a lot easier to bounce off each other and you get that kind of rapport. It's, it's phenomenal. I mean, how long, how long does a recording take? For- well, we do um, like five hours a day, maybe mm. for ten days, depends. I mean, with each passing year, they're not getting rid of the previous year's recordings, they're yeah. adding to yeah. it. So uh, the, the library builds up. Um, so it, it varies how much you have to do. I mean, I don't, I don't do it anymore, but I did it for nine years, yeah. which was a, a long stretch in, in that world, yeah. we're told, a long stretch. Yeah. Because I remember when they used to come in and do the, the graphics for the players, yeah, they used to yeah. sit in the chair yeah. Yeah. and they do the camera that sort of does the yeah, yeah, 360 yeah, around yeah. it. I weren't happy with that. That's when I started losing my hair. And I realised <laughs> when I saw the game, saw the old ball patch coming, <laughs> I wasn't happy. to put a bit in I there. said, go on, Phil, <laughs> put a bit of boot polish on that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let Premier League chat. Uh, listen, this Sunday it's the big one: Man City versus Liverpool. Uh, could we see another eighty-nine moment? Is it whoever wins this game wins the league? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's a big advantage, mm. isn't it? Like psychologically, as much as anything else, but uh, still a lot of points to play for. Um, and uh, you know, City, the players are human, as are the Liverpool lads, and as the tension cranks up towards the end. Who knows where they might drop points? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, it's amazing. Two incredible teams, aren't they? Full of mm-hmm. incredible players. 
the standard's never been higher, I don't think, no. at the top of our league. Uh, so, it, it's, listen, we, everybody's looking forward to it. It might be one of those nil-nils yeah. that uh, turn into a bit of a chess match. Nobody wants to risk uh, their arm. But um, it's, yeah, I, it's great. I mean, especially for Sky, we thought it was going to be a one-horse race, that mm, the City yeah. would have won it by Easter, thankfully. That's not going to be the case, and hopefully it will go right to the death. Yeah. I mean, they both got Champions League. That could play a part because they could potentially both get to the final. I agree with Smudge in the sense that I think this is the pinnacle of football with these two teams going out. And, and I get a lot of pushback from my colleagues and the, and the teams I've played for and the teams that I've watched, but these two teams, incredible. Two, mm. Not just two teams, two squads. Pep made three subs. He's bringing on Foden, Grealish mm. and Jesus, yeah, the yeah. Brazilian number nine. We, we've not seen this density of squad than mm. before. Klopp signings bringing the lad Diaz in mm. yeah. Jot have been sensational I just think this Sunday's going to be an unbelievable game and I also agree with Smudge in the sense that I don't think the result either way is going to be because the team's below them yeah. that they've got to play they'll, they'll, they'll both still drop points yeah. now to the end of the season but it's both two incredible teams so one and two either one of them top four Chelsea you'd like to think have got third spot Chelsea would do it so we so we seen about three and four. four. I can see Arsenal. I, yeah. I, I think Chelsea and Arsenal. Arsenal having the points on the board is massive. I did the Villa game with them the other day, and it was a game where I thought in previous 10, 12 years, you just Arsenal could have got beat in that type of game, but they scored. They won with Saka, and mm. I know they've had the slip up against Palace, but I just think Arsenal will have enough. I think what Arteta's done has been brilliant. I think Chelsea finished third and Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal should come in for mm. I, hope, I hope you're right, mate. Yeah. I mean, I did the Palace game on Monday yeah. and, you know, Tierney had dropped out beforehand mm. with an injury that's going to keep him out for the season. Tavares mm. had an, another stinker. I don't think they're going to mm. use him again at left-back. Mm. So then you're yeah. thinking of putting Cedric there, whatever, moving yeah. across. Thomas Partey got an injury. I don't know how long that's going to last. Yeah. He's been good, and he's been. He's been. He's been yeah. re- although he had he had a stinker ag- again yeah. at, at Palace. Um, no Arsenal player really performed, but uh, you're just looking for him to bounce back mm. now, because he would have affected confidence. That mm. they got they got steamrolled in a way that um, you know some of those Arsene Wenger sides towards yeah. the end did, and you know if you're physical in the face with them, they they can't handle it. Mm. You know, Arsenal are better than that now. It was just a bad day at the office. Yeah. I think. I hope. Brighton at home on Saturday, they need to bounce back. But yeah, ho- hopefully they can they can mm. sneak in there. But with, with Conte at Spurs, you know things are happening, aren't yeah. they? So yeah. uh, be tight. Going to be close. Mm. Uh, Everton host Man United in the early kickoff on Saturday. Both teams desperate for points. Oh. Where do you see this one going? Everton, well, Man United. Well, we we need it, to talk, it, uh, We need to talk about the, the game t- tonight. Everton, Burnley. Really, before oh, yeah. that, I think I think with um, with Frank, I think he's took the job and. I think it's one of them where you get into a club and you don't realise how how separate everything is, and you know the the the, the squad probably not what he where he thought they were. Um, I thought, but he's battling. It's a tough one for him. I still I still think they'll get out of it. I think tonight's crucial. I think if they if they win tonight at Burnley, yeah, I think. Um, I think the weekend becomes less important against Man United. If they don't win, I think they, their next four or five games are horrendous. So it's mm. going to it's going to be struggling at home, aren't they? As well, mm. good to see. Yeah. Which is Fortress. unusual. Which is unusual. Well, the away form's a disaster as yeah. well, isn't mm. it? So yeah, it's at Burnley tonight, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see on that because obviously Burnley have got their own problems yeah. fighting for their lives. So 
Yeah, it might be touch and go. Okay, well, if you think uh, Arsenal will beat Everton, sorry, if you think Arsenal will beat Brighton three 0 Coral will give you odds of ten to one, and if you think Frank Lampard's Everton will nick a one nil win at home to Manchester United, Coral will give you odds of twelve to one. Close. Man City Liverpool is the pick for the Coral Super Series. Yeah, uh, I'm going to ask you both four simple questions, <clears throat> quick fire answers, please. So this is Man City Liverpool. Who will win the match? Man City. Liverpool. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what player will score the first goal? De Bruyne. Salah. Oh, how many corners? Seven. Nine. <laughs> uh, how many players will be carded? Three. Two. How are the scores on the doors? Do we know? Uh, Joe, you are beating the guest 12 11 Ooh, at the moment. Um, you have predicted the corners correctly in the last two episodes. Shut up. You have. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Really, he's got a side of knowledge. What? What's going on? <laughs> he was always, what was it? Eleven was it? Eleven was his banker. Yeah. Then he, he's, he's, he's come away from Ele- eleven. So. Done me no good, did it? Never, never come in. Well, as usual, if you want to get involved at home, you can do. Just head over to coral.co.uk. Answer the questions correctly to win cash prizes. But please, please gamble responsibly. Okay, let's talk about prostate cancer UK. Um, Alan, you've done a. A charity bike ride, isn't it? It's something that's close to your heart. Prostate Cancer UK, um, London to Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, it was good, good fun. I did it with St Albans Football Club because uh, oh. most of them, the teams, the football clubs. When I did it, um, so you got to do your training for that. Yeah, because I think you boys are getting in the yeah. saddle, aren't you? Mm, yeah. If you don't do your training, it, it's a grind. But it, it's good fun. You have to watch it going out of London with white van men uh, <laughs> knocking you off <laughs> into the pavement, uh, keep your wits about you. But um, yeah, it was it was it was good fun. A uh, little night out in Amsterdam at the end of it. Uh, so, what more do you want for for a really good cause? Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. We've got um, me and Sid's done a for, for my foundation, Levin Foundation. We did a tour de Cornwall, and within the first thirty minutes of the bike ride, we I think we did eighty miles, sixty miles, sixty miles. Really treacherous it was, up and down. The first half an hour. He's flown into a bush, come off. Wayne Bridge has fallen <laughs> into the side of a ditch, and I've 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 come off as well. But we we managed to get through. So we're actually doing to London to Amsterdam in September. So yeah, um, yeah. Now it's yeah. good you get on the ferry, you have yeah. A, yeah. a couple of hours kip, and then the uh, the music comes on yeah. uh, to wake you up, and and you're yeah. all off again. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, you've, uh, those cleats can be tricky, can't they? Yeah, if, you, if you're not yeah, used yeah. to them and you forget that you actually... Yeah. You, uh, you need to unclip quick. We, we're more, more in danger with a night out with Wayne Bridge in Amsterdam. <laughs> when we get there, that's where the danger really starts. <laughs> well, look, Prostate Cancer UK, I mean, it's a great charity. It does a lot of important work. As you can see, we've got our, our badges on and yeah. we're supporting it. Um, just a bit more in depth, look, prostate cancer is the most common cancer in men. One in eight men will get prostate cancer. So it's really important to be well informed. Anyone with any concerns about the disease can find out more just by visiting prostatecancerukorg and of course Louis van Gaal is the latest name from football that has been diagnosed with the disease so from all of us here we wish yeah. uh, we wish Louis, uh, Louis the very best um, in his recovery uh, Smudge it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure no I've enjoyed it boys brilliant. nice to see him been talking football your media stuff and then and, and the biking and the charity so uh, um, where are you this weekend are you Norwich Burnley Oh, glamour. Forget about it. <laughs> <Liverpool. laughs> 
It's where it's at in Norfolk, mate. <laughs> I tell you what, the, the phrase you've had a stinker might come out there. <laughs> so. Yeah, but you've got, you've got to endure the bad times for the good. It might be a great game. As I say, Burnley yeah. are fighting for the lives, yeah. so we think Norwich are probably down, but uh, there'll be something in it that normally yeah. is. Brilliant. Well, look, Joe, we're back, uh, we're back next week. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Remember, you can find us on the Joe YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast from. You have been listening to the All to Play For podcast brought to you by Joe and Coral. See you soon. You've been listening to All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral.